welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I am joined by Denise Cullington, painter, psychoanalyst and author. Welcome to The Divorce Club. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. So how does that feel when I say to you, you are part of The Divorce Club? I, I sort of feel like a honorary elder member, you know, in the sense of I have now been separated, but I mean, you know, for sort of over 20 years and, and you know, divorced. Um, and looking back, I mean, it was sort of such a, such a painful time, such a struggle. And it feels like there's um, tremendous camaraderie, really, doesn't it, in those people who are going through it or have gone through it. And it's, it's interesting, isn't it, when it happens to you and other people very quickly kind of tell you about, well, yes, they'd had an earlier marriage or terribly painful breakups and it's as though there's suddenly this kind of uh, great bond really where you know there's some particular kind of uh, suffering and where you have to kind of dig out all your resources really and your courage and your gutsiness and your terrifiedness as well or terrible grief or despair or all these things. Definitely I think one of the one of the reasons I first set up the podcast is because no one else in my life was going through it. And I went to Boots um, to buy some makeup and a lady on the makeup counter um, did some of my makeup for me to show me the products. And I said to her, I'm going through a divorce. It was very early on and I was just telling everyone. And then she suddenly opened up about her divorce and I'd only met her, you know, we'd known each other for minutes, but we really entered into this kind of really honest and open conversation about divorce. And I thought, wow, this is, this is something that people want to share, but don't really have the opportunity to. 
And sometimes, I mean, when I was going through it, it, it seemed, and um, it may be so now too, somehow this sort of sense in which kind of people would have to say, no, it's great. It's, you know, it's sort of, you know, pick yourself up, dust yourself down and on you go. And, and at the time and later, I kind of thought, well, some people may manage that, but I'm not sure many do. Actually, it's as though it's as though we don't want to know. Uh, actually, that it's it's very painful. You know, it can be absolutely can be manageable. You know, it may even you know sort of feel the best in the long run. But but it it is a huge thing. And it's I mean I think you know sort of whether I mean, you know sometimes couples can sort of decide mutually to break up or sometimes it's more one or you know sometimes you're the one that left or someone sometimes you're the one who kind of thinks I can't bear it anymore and actually I have to go but I think for either side we don't know ahead of the time actually how huge it is and you know sort of so we make the decision and go for it and then suddenly, whoa, it's, it can be a real roller coaster. Definitely. So you said you're, you're sort of 21 years in on your divorce experience. Do you want to take us back to that time? So where were you in the world? Um, um, you know, what were you doing when that divorce and separation happened? My ex and I have been together for 25 years. We've got We'd married very early, mostly or a lot. It wasn't that we weren't in love or we wouldn't have been together or something like this, but getting married was a way of me staying and working in his country and he in mine. And um, for a very long time, actually, we would say, you know, in quite a nice way, um, well, if we're still together next year, then we'll do X or Y. And actually, I think that was quite a, a sort of freeing thing. And, you know, we both were very clear that we had things we wanted to do and adventures we wanted to do, sometimes together and sometimes separately. Uh, and then, I mean, I think I think life just moves on. We had children and, and he was still off working a lot and was away a lot and I was home much more and with the children and um and I think just sort of uh sort of external stresses but also the sort of internal ones of the marriage you know who's doing what um build up but actually if I can just for a moment put in an, a bit from some studies that I read about at the time um you know, uh, a couple of very good US long-term follow-up studies of people who were breaking up. And they were saying, actually, people who break up aren't necessarily uh, more bored with each other. There's not necessarily more infidelity or depression or alcoholism, which is rather amazing. But the thing that actually caused Oftentimes there were external things that acted like a trigger, which might be a death of a close relative, might be somebody going through a 
sort of near death experience or a very serious illness. Um, these kind of things or, or redundancy or stuff like that, that actually puts such an extra pressure on the couple that actually their normal coping mechanisms weren't enough and they broke up. There were some, what they described as golden couples who, who managed to survive, but I thought that was very interesting because it, it in a way, it made it less, uh, when you break up, you kind of think, well, either it's my fault, I've, I've been really bad in this kind of uh, way, or they have, you know, somehow we've, between us, we've made this great failure. Whereas actually, I, I thought it was very interesting to read that. And it made sense to me, you know, looking at actually the various different stresses that were around. And I, I'm sure absolutely did, um, uh, you know, uh, contribute to the, to the break or, or contributed to the sense of us kind of feeling, do we, um, uh, can we find a, a way through these difficulties? Do we want to enough? Or maybe, maybe we've just had a really good run and maybe we're better on our own. I mean, I think he, my ex felt that more clearly and he then got involved in a relationship with someone which then lasted. But it wasn't that I hadn't had that thought myself actually. It's really interesting um, that you say about the study you read because I've definitely found through talking to people on the podcast that quite, and my own experience as well, quite often there is that catalyst thing that's come up in the pod. So, you know, my dad died and that was sort of a catalyst for me of doing some work on myself and, and going through that grief at the same time. So it's nice to know that the studies agree with that. It kind yeah. of confirms yeah. that. And I think what you said about you know, you feel it very personally when you break up. You think it's something I did or it's my fault or it's my failure. So just as you said, it is nice to know that the sort of scientists are blaming it on something else. Um, it kind of gives you that confirmation. Well, it, it just, it allows you to be a bit less hard on yourself, doesn't it? And so you said your husband was from a different country. So part of the reason you got married was so that you could both work in either country so at the time were you living at the time of the breakup were you living in the UK or were you living yeah. abroad so you were in the UK yeah and did it I'm interested because I don't think I've spoken to someone on the podcast who had that kind of situation of their husband being from a different country and did the separation to you feel like a closing off of your life in a different country as well that was part of the loss and the grief um, because so he was American and came from a big family and I was very close to his family and uh, you know I came from a much smaller one so actually one of the things he offered was this sort of great lovely you know fascinating American world and um, yeah it was it was a loss I mean I sort of you know sort of kept I was the one who kind of kept links 
with the family actually more than he for a lot of for quite a number of years um particularly because i wanted my kids to know their american family uh, so that it was a sort of slow and then i kind of began to feel as my ex but kind of kind of connected back with his family i kind of thought i have to i have to pull back now it's interesting you say that because we have a, a chat room sort of thing on the patreon account for the podcast and lots of people recently have been talking in that chat room about the loss of your ex's family and people that you might be really close to and how that can be really difficult how did you deal with the loss of that obviously you still had connections because of your children but the loss of that big family all of a sudden I mean it's it's just part of the sort of the whole sense of terrible gaping loss really isn't it and you're trying to sort of work out all these things that you're losing but also very much how do you how do you replace that both sort of in the immediate sort of terms as well as sort of in the future um and I mean, I suppose then I very much turned, well, particularly to a number of close friends, as well as the divorce community, you know, sort of, I mean, I was very close at that time to a number of people who'd um, who'd broken up or been divorced. And actually, I mean, one or two men in that boat as well, too, because it's what's quite nice is you don't want to get into a situation where you know, you're sort of winding each other up about, yeah, they're so awful, or don't we hate men, or aren't women just cows, you know, this kind of thing. You actually need, it's very helpful to, uh, you know, have one or two men around who you kind of think, yeah, actually, there are lovely men in the in the world, you know, sort of good men, just because at this minute, I'm, I sort of feel so full of hate, rage towards my ex or whatever you know it's part of the group of feeling and so how did you find that divorce community were there was it friendships of yours already or did you kind of go out and seek people who'd been through similar experiences a couple of my friends were going through a breakup similar sort of time I mean and I think as you go around your life you are uh connecting up particularly to other you know you kind of you're sort of so caught up with this sort of intense things going on in your in your life you're sort of zooming in aren't you and I mean what I did was I kind of had this uh, kind of conversation internally and I was writing it because even while I was going through it I was thinking gosh this is incredibly difficult or this is much tougher than I thought it would be and if it's tough for me, and I've had an analysis and, you know, trained and, you know, learned about this, that or the other, and you would think that I would have more resources than most people, but actually I feel like I'm, um, uh, you know, at moments clinging on by my fingertips or, or kind of, uh, and, and I thought, well, you know, how do other people manage? And And if I can try and figure out things for myself, then maybe it would be useful for other people as well. So, I mean, in an odd way, that the book, the writing became my partner, you could say, for 
several years, there were particular bits that were much harder to write. You know, so some, I, I, uh, my kids might be away for the weekend and I would have two or three days just sort of working and working on a chapter and I'd get to the end. I think, yeah, that's, that's, I've pretty much got it. And other chapters I, I wrote and I got to the end and particularly ones actually on rage and hatred and lawyers and uh, one of them I and I I'd sort of done two or three rounds with one of these chapters and I showed it to a friend and said look is this all right or is this sort of still too steamy and she and she read it and she kind of said actually it's still pretty uh, pretty strong and you know I just knew that at those sort of moments, I would know that I just needed to put the writing down, get on with life, uh, you know, kind of have these things kind of kicking around in the back of my mind. And then I could, you know, come back a, a month or something later and, you know, have another shot. But it was kind of like this processing and digesting something that otherwise felt really toxic. And I very consciously had the feeling that actually I had to, I had to do this processing and get it out in some form or another. Otherwise, I thought, just kind of holding it inside, I, my worry was that I would get cancer. You know, I just kind of thought, if I can't uh, process it emotionally, it will just do damage to me physically. I just felt uh, it was an essential part of my survival. I mean, I didn't need to, I didn't need to write it down or I didn't need to have it published or something like that, but, um, but that getting it out and, you know, I mean, other ways one could have got it, you know, at a different moment in my life, I might have painted lots of pictures or images of it. But it, It's really interesting because I think a lot of people I know I do. I need a sort of outlet to be able to process something. And and as an actor and comedian, you know, a lot of the time doing comedy about something or writing about it in kind of a funny way is the way that I would process it. And I think with divorce, it's been this podcast um, and it's kind of taken me through all the stages and I've learned so much from other people. But I think that that idea that you thought if you kept it inside of you, all these emotions would become something physical, like cancer. So something that would be, it's really interesting that you say cancer, because it's my image of cancer is like these cells eating away the healthy cells. And I think internally, and emotionally, that can be what those bottled up emotions feel like that they're just eating away at you. So I think that, I don't know, when you said it, that image for me was really strong. And so writing became this outlet for you um, and a way of processing. And you said about the rage and I definitely, you know, I had an amicable breakup at first. We both decided, but I still definitely felt this rage and, um, and I was also confused by it because I was like, I wanted this breakup. So other than writing, how did you deal with that 
rage in you and how long did it take to process it do you think I mean I think what was what was interesting and what it took me time to figure out was because it always seemed to me that sort of within a marriage or a partnership actually um being angry or or sort of getting whatever it is that's sort of bugging you out there can be a really important part of a good relationship you know it might be very difficult when you're kind of in the middle of it but then actually you know when your partner hears and listens and you feel understood and they're telling you something back and you kind of think oh okay well maybe they've got a point of view too and then you feel much more involved and committed and you know all that good stuff but the thing that happens when you've broken up well one you don't have that idea of wanting to be together again, you know, sort of so trying trying to resolve it. Indeed, actually, in a way, if you have moments of kind of almost being half tempted to be together or a bit sadder about being apart, that can almost be a problem, you know, so that actually provoking a fight can be a way of making a difference, pushing the other one away. And, and uh, in a way then you kind of think, okay, this is, this is good. We absolutely aren't going to get back together in this kind of way. But I think that there is, I also think it's something to do with when you feel so vulnerable, and they do as well, I'm sure, um, that actually you sort of, that you can go into a sort of much more crazed kind of sort of infantile, furious, utterly explosive uh, state. And there is not, and there's not much to hold you back. And, and it can be quite fun. <laughs> I mean, in a way, being in a battle and kind of loosening all your, you know, shooting all your guns or your cannonballs or whatever it is and seeing them kind of hit home can be exciting when you kind of think it doesn't matter but although it will also kind of come back at you too probably um but i think it's and i think it can be very hard once you get into that state to pull back or you it's you know if you kind of think like what happens in northern ireland or something you know, you can have, you know, outside forces that sort of help peace happen. And that happens, but actually it can quickly sort of spiral out again and, and you know, sort of past um, misdeeds, past sort of horrific acts can then, you know, you can get whipped up into it again. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I, I think the same kind of thing can happen. And um, going back to those, those um, follow-up studies that I told you about, there is something like 30% of couples are fighting bitterly 10 years on, which is really shocking. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm sadly not surprised by that, um, by that study. But it's really interesting that you, you know, because I got divorced and I set up a podcast and you got divorced and you're kind of reading all these studies. And where did the um, training to be a psychoanalyst come into all of this? I mean, I kind of went that way because I was curious, you know, kind of curious about how people worked, how my own family worked, how I worked. And I think there came a time when, and after I'd sort of started doing trainings of my own, like clinical psychology and so on, but I felt curious enough, but brave enough to go into um, some analytic psychotherapy of my own. And I was aware that actually I found this a very alarming um, prospect really, you know, like, what on earth will, will I find? Um, and actually, I found it a very moving and interesting experience. And it was, so I'd had the painting before then, which I think was me kind of, kind of uh, tuning into emotional stuff, but without words, whereas in this, I had words. Um, and the, the sort of pleasure of uh, kind of getting hold of something, you know, kind of think, ah, yes, you know, this word is that, this makes sense of that. This is what that's about. So that drove my interest in my uh, training and my clinical work with other people. And, you know, and of course I would do it to myself, kind of, uh, when I felt myself sort of so in extremis. And can you explain what psychoanalyst means? Because uh, there's lots of words bandied about. So we hear like therapist and counsellor and CBT and NLP. And so what what would you describe is a psychoanalyst? Good question. Not actually sort of easy to answer without. So, I mean, I am a psych- tra- trained psychoanalyst in the lines, along the lines of Freud and Melanie Klein or Winnicott or Bion or some of these people, um, you know, who may ring fake bells. But it's it's the idea about, you know, so there is all the stuff that goes on consciously that we can know about and is more or less sort of more or less logical and rational and or we can sort of find Uh, reasons for it but there is also this other bit of us that goes on under the surface and that you know if you think about it is kind of 
uh, from when we were born, if if not before, you know, this sort of sense of uh, the world and what that we're born into, and we certainly don't have any words at all to make sense of it. You know, we're just, you know, the idea about uh, safe or terrifying or all these kind of things and how we kind of, uh, whether it feels safe to open up and be pleased with, you know, or there are sort of smiling eyes coming back at us or, or maybe actually we're met with a sort of face of a mother who's depressed or a sort of a father who's sort of stressed and angry or whatever it is. Um, you know, and these kind of things are making, uh, we're forming our sort of model of the world and what we expect of other people. And it can be the underpinning of what goes on, sort of under the, under the surface, in this less conscious part of our minds. And the things that we often can push out of mind, not because we don't know that they're there, but because we're not supposed to have them because they're a bit shameful, you know, so, uh, you know, which might be to do with, um, you know, we're not supposed to be angry or we're not supposed to feel frightened or vulnerable or hurt or, you know, all these things that we can sort of push away and then have to kind of uh, provide another front to the world. So this is how I am. But actually, these other things are still going on and um, they can leave us feeling uneasy. They can have an impact on our relationship, whether it's with a partner or our children or our parents. And being in analysis or an analytic psychotherapy where someone is, you know, interested in picking that up, they will often be thinking about, you know, so how is, um, how are they with me? How are they, how is this person expecting me to be treating me? Or what are they presenting of themselves that they, uh, and, and what's the bit that's missing out in the corner that kind of doesn't yet have any um, uh, attention paid to it? And is there a way that I might find a way of, somehow or other kind of speaking to that, noticing that and, you know, well, and then what does the person do? Will they kind of say, oh, oh yes, okay, or, you know, but equally they might say, no, absolutely not, not at all, uh, which might not be a no, but actually it's something that feels terribly alarming. So interesting. So what do you think you found out about yourself by becoming a psychoanalyst, if you're happy to um, talk about gosh. that? I mean, I, I sort of found out how much I could sort of shut down or shut out. And over the, uh, over the years, but I, 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 I mean, I, looking back, I probably kind of had some of that shut outness shut down is still when I was in my marriage it might have been one of the things that kind of was sort of part of the thing um and I think I'm much less so there's something to do with making a peace with bits of yourself you know these messier you know you're not necessarily so proud of these bits of yourself but there you go 
they are a part of you and probably quite a lot a part of most of us human beings but you know when you have to kind of keep them out uh, it, I suppose it's it's a sort of making you're making a peace with yourself but you're also this idea about integrating these sort of bits of yourself that maybe you hadn't quite got hold of earlier. It sounds so interesting. I want to study it now. Um, so, so you're, you know, you're writing this book as an outlet, you're training in uh, to be a psychoanalyst and you're going through a divorce. Was there a really difficult time in all of that? Do you remember kind of a worst, I talk about worst moments and mine are always crying on the kitchen floor. There are different sorts of worst moments, aren't there? I mean, I can remember a moment when my kids were away for the weekend, and it was very early on. And I thought, um, I felt like I just had to hit the grief of this. And so what I was doing is I was collecting up all the old photographs and putting them in an album. Um, which I hadn't done for years. So I was kind of looking at this holiday and there we were together, or, da, 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 or oh yes, there was that holiday and this was going on and that, this was pretty difficult, wasn't it? Um, and uh, probably drinking too much and smoking too much and sort of weeping. And it sort of felt, even at the time, it sort of slightly felt like a, a drama for myself. I don't, I don't quite want to say it was fun, but it felt, well, it felt, it felt enlivening, if also terribly sad and painful. I mean, I, I think probably the more difficult things are when it's the bleaker moments, you know, when you just kind of feel a bit shit or a bit hopeless or you don't quite know where to go next or you know uh, you just feel a bit rubbish or don't know yeah don't know what will happen around the next corner that's so true actually because you know the crying on my kitchen floor moments are the ones I remember but actually those moments when you're just sort of standing in your house and you kind of don't know what to do with yourself and you just feel crap and you're yeah it's like you can't even cry because it's not like it almost feels like not that strong an emotion it's just like oh what now so I can definitely relate to that and do you remember a a great moment when you thought oh I've been through all of this and now everything's gonna be all right (laughs) Um Probably moments like that, although they might not have lasted that long, if you know what I mean. Um, I mean, yes, lovely moments all the way through it. And certainly, you know, even in the midst of all of shit, kind of thinking, this isn't all bad. You know, there is something, this offers all kinds of opportunities as well. You know, and, and so, and when you're single again, you do, you you kind of connect up again with more people, don't you? You know, with your friends, sometimes with new people. And, uh, and that can be fun and lovely. And, you know, and we have to hold on to those moments then. Definitely. And, and looking back now, because you, 
you know, now you've done all this training, you started off as a painter and now you, you know, have done all this training and you have a book which you've written about your experience. Do you see a difference? I mean, obviously I think you will see a difference in yourself then and now, but what is that difference? You know, you're asking me at a particular moment, but I feel happier, more open, uh, more expressive. Uh, I mean, I, I think the challenge of the divorce was a huge thing. I think if, you know, if had we stayed together, you know, there might have been good things. We might have worked good things out. I think looking back, I still think it's it's okay for my kids and they, you know, have got a good relationship with their dad, which I'm tremendously grateful about. My life would, would have been different. And in some ways, in some ways it would have been easier or would have had its particular things. But I don't know that it would have been better. And would you ever get married again? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing a lovely guy at the moment, which is very nice. I, I feel very lucky. I quite like having my own house and, you know, us meeting up a fair bit of the time, but also actually not. I, I uh, love sleeping on my own and waking up in the morning on my own some of the time. I think that can be um, the biggest luxury, you know, to sort of in a way, because you're just kind of tuning in with whatever you are, you know, what you can see out the window or what you've been dreaming about in the night or whatever it is. And you don't have to pay attention to anybody else. Although also it can be very nice to wake up and, you know, there's somebody nice sort of by you. Um, I mean, who knows? Would we want to, would we want to end up, I don't know whether we don't want, you know, ask me in a year's time. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. It's been um, really great to chat to you. Where can people um, find out about the book and buy it and find you online? I haven't been very good online at all. Maybe I mean, I'm at the tail end of a project right now, um, but actually, in a way, partly stimulated by you um, and the podcast, I was kind of thinking, yeah, actually, I should, I should go online with, with the book because I should sort of get it out there more just because I think the ideas are really, really useful. You can buy the book. Well, you can it probably won't be on the bookshelves in the bookstores these days. Obviously, you could order it, and um, and you'll. I mean, actually, if you if you checked me out on Amazon, you'd sort of find a bit of stuff about some wonderful reviews about the book. The book is called Breaking Up Blues. Brilliant! So check it out, Breaking Up Blues by Denise Cullington um, on Amazon, but I'm sure on other lots of independent bookshops which yes absolutely (laughs) well thank you so much Samantha thank you very much for inviting me it's great fun hi this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. 
Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, It would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, But also it affects our listing, the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.